Good morning. I'm so thankful that you guys have joined us this morning. Congratulations to you ladies who uh, won the gift cards. Um, it's just such an honor. We just wanted to honor you guys in such a small way. But um, this morning, I just wanted to kind of echo what Meredith's been saying. What we said all morning is that we just honor our mothers. It's just such a great day to just be able to recognize them. Um, just Mother's Day is kind of one of those days where I, I feel like, you know, we should be doing this every day because our moms give and, and sacrifice so much for us as we um, go throughout our life. And um, just that there, you guys are, are just foundational to everything we do as a church. And so I just want to honor you. If you're new um, this morning, if you're tuning in for the first time, I just want to encourage you to, to check out our Connect card um, on the, in the comments or in the, the title of this, uh, this live stream and, and just really give us a record of your visit so that we can kind of um, help get you plugged into where God's leading you, what he's trying to do in your life. Uh, our heart as a church is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And that is a way that we do that. We help people take their next steps in following Jesus so they can get on a path that gets them to where he is trying to lead them. So, um, this morning, as we get going, I just wanted to kind of, um, just to, b- before we get going too far, I just wanted to address some things that have been going on around us and uh, th- throughout this past week and um, in a couple of months that, that we as Christians, I feel like, can't really stick our heads in the ground and turn a blind eye to anymore and not respond. And so part of our family this morning, guys, I know um, that, that if you've been going here any amount of time, part of our family is hurting right now. Um, they're they're going through some uh, they're going through some pain, some frustration, some anger. Um, they're they're dealing with a whole gambit of of emotions right now. And I just with the news of Ahmad Arbery this week, um, where, where we saw just and I know it's an open case, but some of the things that are going on, I just wanted to respond and 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 I wanted to I wanted you to know that there are brothers and sisters that that hear these types of things and they feel very differently because they they feel very personal and it makes them ask like how long does this go on? How long does this happen? And how long do we have to deal? with this type of division and hatred in our culture. And, and, and for those of you in, the, in that category this morning, I just want to say to you that we are with you in that. When, when one part of our body hurts, all of us hurt. We want to walk through this together as a family. And as Christians, we must stand firmly against racism in any form. At Connection Church Savannah, we believe that every race, every tribe, every tongue have infinite value and infinite worth in God's sight, and that all people, the Bible calls all people that were created in God's image, all are worthy of the same dignity and respect, and we stand together in this way as a church. We stand against and we sharply condemn any form of racism in our culture as it goes against the gospel, and we, and we stand against the, what that looks like. And so our calling as Christians has not tied your hands or my hands to the will of our culture and made us bow down or bow to hate and bow down to racism or sin in the name of being polite, guys. We're called to take a stand. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, God says to Isaiah, learn to do what is right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. And we were called to actively and stand against injustice of any form and stand against hate of any kind as we encounter it. And one thing I love about the church is is it was meant to redeem the world, what the world tried to destroy, and, and it was meant to be an image of heaven. And and all nations coming together, united around Christ and the gospel to represent the perfect image of God. But sadly, what I've noticed is sometimes even in the church, when tragedies don't affect us directly, it's easy to look the other way or just be oblivious. 
But as Christians, we can't do that. Galatians 6, 2 says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. And in the body of Christ, we're called to bear the, brother, the burdens of our brothers and sisters. And if something affects or hurts any of us, it should affect and hurt all of us. Our response and stance in times like this has to be as if it were happening to us and to pray and advocate for, for our brothers and our sisters who need us. So today, we want to commit that we will be a church that welcomes and longs for diversity in this body because the, the kingdom of God is diverse and God shows no favoritism. We want to celebrate life and unity and not hatred and sin. And so today, that's the stance we're taking as a church is to love our brother and sister and walk alongside of them during this time of, of confusion and of frustration and anger. And so that's our heart. So let's pray together before we jump in. Um, and then we'll jump into week 21 of our witness series. If you want to turn to Acts 21, that's where we'll be starting at. So let me pray for us. Uh, Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done in the, in the cross. We thank you for loving us to the point where you sacrificed your son for our sins so that we could live with you. Father, I pray this morning as we open up the Bible to Acts 21 that we would just love the word, that we would just glean from it what you want us to glean, Father, that you would teach us new things. Father, show us the error of our ways and give us the path to righteousness and holiness, Father, that you write about in Scripture, that you teach us in Scripture. Lord, I pray this morning as we read, I pray that you would bless us with your presence in our homes. God, I pray that you would enter into the homes of the people that are watching, and I pray that you would bless their heart, that you would bless their mind, that you would give them clear thinking, that you would give them clear wisdom and discernment to know how to discern the Word of God properly. So we love you, we thank you, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. And so as we jump in this morning, as always, I just want to tell you how excited I am about all that God is doing around us and all that he is inviting us into this morning. And so, so many times in scripture, we just kind of, or in church, when we come to the, we come to the church where we gather together as a body, we just flippantly enter into God's presence as if he owes us his presence, right? That there, there can be this tendency of entitlement in the church that is sinful and has to die. Because for followers of Jesus to be able to walk in freedom and obedience that the Bible talks about, we have to die to those things of entitlement and feeling like Jesus owes us his presence. Because listen, our heart as a church is that you, you, the people of this body, would see the great extent that God went to to save you and that you would join him on his mission in your life. And what I'm praying for for you today is that, that you would forgo your comfort zones so that you could step into your calling. Because God's plans for your life, what happens is they far outweigh any enjoyment or fulfillment your attempts at living can provide. Because we spend our life trying to reach the next goal, trying to reach the next fulfillment, but God has all those things for us in the person of Jesus. And it's not even close to what we can provide for ourselves, man. We say it like this. Put your yes on the table and let God put it on a map somewhere. Give, give him your yes and then let him put you where he wants you to be. No fine print, no, no take backs, just go where he leads. Yes, yes, and now where? But here's what I know. Your, your yes is going to take you somewhere. And, like, and a lot of the regrets in my life have, have happened when I fail to step into a moment and, it, and I let it pass, it, I, it passes by. So moments I wish I should have, I wish I would have stepped out into something, but didn't because of fear or discomfort or danger. And I'm sure as I'm saying that, you're thinking about moments in your life 
where you wish you would have stepped, but you didn't, and you let the moment pass by. And here's what I've learned. We, we miss so many of the best moments because they're wrapped in tough packages, right? There's things in our life that we miss and we forego because it's going to be hard to get there, right? There's so many types of things that, that you can think of in that, and put it in that perspective or that, or that spectrum. But more times than not, let me tell you this for, from experience, the steps that Jesus calls us to take are scary and they're hard, but they're worth it. Everything that God calls you to do is not going to be easy, but it's worth it. Because we choose, and this is what happens, we choose between staying safe or choosing to take that step of faith that requires faith. And this is the invitation of the gospel. This is it in the nutshell. And and that's what we're going to talk about today as we jump into week 21 of our witness series. And this is the diving board that I want us to jump off of that Jesus has opened a door through the gospel for each of us to enter into his story. And I don't want anyone watching this morning or watching later, um, watching this news or this live feed later, I don't want anyone to miss it. Because in Acts 21, it took me a minute to figure out what God was trying to speak through Acts 21 this week. But when it hit me, it was like a ton of bricks. And I was like, man, because we see the story of Paul moving towards Jerusalem, headed down this road that's not going to be easy. But he steps into this story because this, part of the, this story is a part of the gospel story, which is the greatest story that's ever been told. And so if you look in Acts 21, we're going to start in verse 4, and then we're going to talk some. We're going to make our way all the way to the end of the chapter, but let's, let's walk through this together. It's in uh, chapter 21, verse 4. It says, We sought out the disciples and stayed there seven days. Through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our time had come to an end, we left to continue our journey while all of them, while with their wives and children, accompanying us out of the city, after kneeling down on the beach to pray, we said farewell to one another and boarded the ship, and then they returned home. And so you see, Paul and Luke sail to a few different cities, and they arrive in Caesarea, where they, and, and a little bit, little bit further down, they're, they're going to meet Philip the evangelist, and this is 20 years after Acts 6 and Acts 8, where we see Philip, which is one of the seven, which is also the one who preaches to the, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, who, who becomes known as Philip the evangelist. Philip used to be a, a he used to wait on the widows and, and, and distribute food, but now he's known as the evangelist. And so, how would you like to be known as, as, as Michael the evangelist, or, or your name in the, the evangelist, or the prophet, or the, or the apostle, or the, or the teacher, or the pastor. That's, your, that's what you're known for. Like, well, how would that be? That's, our, that's, that's, an amazing, uh, just, uh, that's an amazing description of who Philip was, Philip the evangelist. Let's keep reading in verse 10. After we had been there for several days, a prophet named, Agab- a prophet named Agabus came from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, and tied his own feet in his hands and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When he heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. This is my favorite verse of this chapter. Then Paul replied, What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. Um, Some other translations say, What are you doing to me? Weeping and breaking my heart. He says, for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Man, I want to say that. Since he would not be persuaded, we said no more except the Lord's will be done. 
Let's, let's jump up to 17, verse 17. When we reached Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters welcomed us warmly. The following day, Paul went in, in with, with us to James. James was the pastor, the leader, the church leader in Jerusalem. And all the elders were present. After greeting them, he, he reported, uh, another translation says, he reminded in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they glorified God, which is the proper response to glorify God. Whenever you see God's hand moving, glorified God and said, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed and they, have, they are all zealous for the law. And so what you're going to see in verse 19, it says, Paul reported everything in detail what the Lord had been doing among the Gentiles. And then James, for a, for a few verses after this, you're going to see James warning Paul very adamantly that there are Jews at the temple who are going to try to kill you because you've, they've heard that you've been bringing Gentiles like Trophimus, that we'll read about in a second, into the temple, and they've, they've heard that you've abandoned the law of God. But Paul goes away. He goes anyway because he knows that that is what God has called him to do. We looked at it last week in Acts 20, where it said his job is to finish the course of what God has sent him on, the ministry that God has sent him on. And sure enough, the Jews, later in this, in this passage, begin to accuse Paul of bringing Trophimus, the Ephesian, into the temple. And so you look in verse 30. After all this happened... The whole city was stirred up and the people rushed together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and at once shut the gate. As they were trying to kill him, word went up to the commander of the regiment that all Jerusalem was in chaos. Taking along soldiers and centurions, he immediately ran down to them, seeing the commander and the soldiers. They stopped beating Paul. When the commander approached, approached took him into custody and ordered him to be bound with two chains, he asked who he was and what he had done. Verse 34, some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another is chaos. Some he was not able to get reliable information because of the uproar. He ordered him to be taken into the barracks. When, he, when Paul got to the steps, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mass of people followed yelling, get rid of him. Verse 37, as he was about to be brought into the barracks, Paul said to the commander, am I allowed to say something to you? He replied, you know how to speak Greek? Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt some time ago and led 4,000 men and the assassins into the wilderness? That is not true. That's not who he was. Verse 39 says, Paul said, I'm, I'm a Jewish man from Tarsus of Sicilia, a, a, a citizen of an important city, right? Rome there. Is he, that's the city he's talking about. I'm a citizen of Rome. Now I ask you, let me speak to the people. And so you look, there's a cliffhanger here. This is a cliffhanger. Next week, we're going to jump into chapter 22, and we're going to see Paul's response. But everything in chapter 22 is leading up to the moment Paul is about to have, a, about to have in chapter 22. And we're going to look at that next week. But Paul is, is taking a very difficult path. Paul did not have to take this path that he was taking. We'll see why a little bit later. But Paul is marching into some of the most difficult things in his life that he will ever face. But he knows that his great greatest ministry is still ahead because the Holy Spirit had told him, had moved him, had, had given him that information. And, and what I know is that easy choices don't lead to great stories, right? Easy choices don't lead to great stories in our life. So why is, is Paul doing this? And what can we learn from this? What can we learn from Paul's life, from Paul's responses, from Paul's life in this moment? What I want to do for the next few minutes is talk about how we can walk through hard things when it comes to our faith. 
and why it's hard for us to do the hard things that are required of us to walk in obedience to Jesus. So my question is, why is it hard for us to do the hard things? Why is it hard for us to forgo some things so that I'm able to be faithful to Jesus, to make disciples, to go to the ends of the earth? Listen, we don't want to miss our moment in this story. I don't want to stand before Jesus on the last day and say, I tried, or I I missed that, or I missed that. I did the best I could. And I pray that we learn from Acts 21 how to lean into the hard things, not lean away. Like, can we agree right now this morning? I know I can't see your hands, but can we agree that there's not one person watching this morning who doesn't want to hear from God, right? If I ask you, who would like to hear from God today? 100% of people's hands will be raised. Like we want to hear from God. And as followers of Jesus, what we have to do is we have to learn how to do that. And it starts in scripture. And so I I want to talk through four things that keep us from doing the hard things as we seek to follow Jesus. And so this morning, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the four things that I believe that as I read through the scripture, that keep us as, as, as Christians, as Western-minded um, Christians, that keep us from following Jesus. And the first thing that I see is we listen for what's easy and not what's true. We listen for the easy way out and not the truth. Uh, we, we seek comfort and not truth. We, seek, we value comfort over obedience so many times. We may not say that, but our actions express that. Why do you think it's the hardest thing to do in a church is to get people to serve, to get people to go on mission trips, to get people to make disciples, to get people to do those things, go share your faith. They're hard things to get people to do because they're not easy. They're hard. It requires faith. And we have plenty of voices in our lives telling us what's easy and comfortable, right? Everything coming at you through social media, television, everything in your life is showing you the easy way out, the comfortable way out, the way to do the job easier. We like, there's a, there's a saying that, that I like. It says, it says work smarter, not harder, right? We try to find ourselves a way to do things easier. And we're, we're surrounded by a world that tells us how to do things easier, how to make our lives easier. We create products that, that will make our lives easier, how to, how to avoid discomfort, how to avoid pain. We have a pill for that. We have a program for that. We have this. We, we can even get in shape in 30 days now. We have P90X. We have all these things that we've gone through to do the things faster and on a quicker, in a quicker way. And almost all the messages coming in us in life are bent towards doing what's easy and not necessarily what's right or true. And I believe that most of you that desire to hear from God this morning need to understand that God is speaking to you more loudly than you think. There's a supernatural pulling that happens in your life as you follow Jesus, a drawing. I've always said that Satan pushes you, Jesus draws you, he guides you, he leads you. There's a story in John 12 that's almost funny if it wasn't so sad. Um, in John chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. And then a loud voice came down from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So Jesus is talking to God in front of all these people, no doubt, as an example. And then God speaks from heaven in this booming voice. And the people around them hear it, and they're like, was that thunder? It must be about terrain. And then they go about their life. But there there were other people that said an angel was speaking to Jesus. And so they were so close to hearing God, but they missed it and they explained it away. And so the reason why Paul, we see in Acts 21, 
The reason why Paul was going to Jerusalem was because he had heard from God. He was confident that the word he heard from God was from God. He knew God's voice and he was being obedient to the mission of God because what God had told Paul to do lined up with what God, God's heart is for the world. Like you can't follow Jesus until you learn how to hear his voice until you learn how to follow scripture. But before we get too far in this, I just want to say, people who say God spoke to me sometimes make me a little nervous. That's a slippery slope, man. Like A lot of bad things have happened in the world because God spoke to somebody, right? Uh, the, the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. And when he does speak to us, it always aligns with his word. God also speaks through other godly individuals. We see in Acts 21 where James and the elders and Agabus were speaking to Paul. The, the, the Christian brothers and sisters were, it says, the, it says the people told him through the Holy Spirit. He says that they, they, were, they were speaking to Paul. God was speaking to, through these people to Paul. And, and because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and, and besides of us Christians, God will, will speak to our spirit. And sometimes it says that speaking can feel like a pulling or a drawing. It talks about this in Romans chapter eight. And, and Paul, what I love about this, as a, as a follower of Jesus, his life was defined by listening and obeying the voice of God. Because the more you obey the voice of God, the more you hear the voice of God. We saw last week in Acts 20, Paul saying in verse 22 to 24, some of my favorite scriptures in that chapter says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem compelled by the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit is pushing him, drawing him, not knowing what I will encounter when I get there. I don't know what's going to happen, but I have faith that I'm going to be taken care of because God is leading me. It says, except that in every town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting me, but I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Another thing I think we need to see in this passage is the Spirit telling Paul that prisons, prison and chains were waiting on him. And so does, despite common belief, no matter what you've been taught, guys, persecution and chains aren't, aren't necessarily a stop sign in your life. His only concern was to obey God completely and finish well. And there's something about that statement, my purpose is to finish my course, that I think is an echo of Paul thinking about his past because he didn't get a good start. He didn't start well. He missed the moment the first time around. And I think he's saying, I'm not going to miss that moment again. I'm going to finish strong. He's never going to miss God's pulling ever again. And we have to learn how to hear the voice of God through all the other voices in our lives, just like Paul. We have to learn to silence the world and allow Jesus to speak to our hearts and give him the, the access that he needs. Because I want to tell you, you and I live in a world where we're bombarded every day with messages centered around getting your life to a place of safety, to a place of security, and to get it to a place of ease. And it's crucial that we figure out how to have a biblical filter, learning how to discern between faith-filled advice and faithless advice. Because everyone in your life, I'm sure you can, you can agree with this, has an opinion, right? Everybody in your life has an opinion on how you should live, how you should, who you should marry, how you should spend your money, which job you should take, when you should retire, where should you, you should invest your money. But that, that's, that's everyone. But the, this is why it's so important for us to have a community of Christian brothers and sisters who can remind us of what's true about the world, about eternity, 
and help put, help put life into perspective for us. This is why we, we put so much emphasis on connect groups. We're a church of connect groups, not a church with connect groups. And one of my favorite missionary stories is about a man named John G. Patton who God had sent to the New Hebrides. And one Sunday, his church was commissioning him out. He was, they were praying for him. They were commissioning him out. And, and, and a man, after the service, came up to him and were just sharing like, how dangerous these islands were and how dangerous his calling was, saying that there were cannibals on this island. And he said, John, you'll be eaten by cannibals. And so, this is funny. So the 18th century missionaries were ruthless, bro. They were ruthless. Like some of the best comeback lines and, and hard, they, were, they, they didn't hold anything back. They didn't pull any punches. And so John Patton looks this guy in the eye, has the best comeback for, 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 for him in the history of mic drops. He says, Mr. Dixon, you're old. <laughs> you're advanced in years. Pretty soon your body is going to be laid in the ground and your body will be eaten by worms. If I can but serve the Lord Jesus with my life, it makes no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. Because in the resurrection, my body is going to rise just as perfect as yours. Like, I'm like, wow. Like, we need friends like that. We need friends who are going to remind us what's true and to help me do the hard things as I follow Jesus, not to help me get out easy or scot-free or move away, to a, 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 away from the hard things in life. We need somebody who's going to push us into what God's calling us to do no matter what and then live with us and do life with us in the hard things. Doing hard things in community makes the hard things not so hard. So any hardship or persecution we face as we follow Jesus is worth it. And that leads me to my second reason why we don't do the hard things is because we forget that God is active in the world. He is active in the world. Believe it or not, this world does not revolve around us. This world, this, this story of the gospel we are living isn't about us. There's a story going on around us, and, and it wouldn't be awesome if we could, it would be, excuse me, it would be so awesome if we can see the next page, or if we could see what was coming over the horizon of your yes, saying yes to Jesus, and if we could see the next, the next horizon, it would be so awesome, but we forget that God is still active in the story of the gospel, and I think this is why the leaders in Jerusalem didn't try to stop Paul, because James and the elders just sent him on, said, go on. And I'm sure it's because of, of verse 19, because you look back at verse 19, it says, after greeting them, he reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And so you think about from the start of that, like how that looks and how Paul is, is sharing in detail and reminding the, the Jewish leaders in, in Jerusalem of all God had done in the Gentile believers. And so he sent him, they affirmed him and sent him on. Well, from the start, Connection Church, Savannah has set out to be a sending church. As, and as we attend church and as we go to groups or volunteer in different ministry partners, our heart is to remember that God is still active in the world and we want to join him in what he's already doing. For example, right now, there are more Muslims that come to Jesus per missionary than any other religious group in the world. Look it up. Talk about a people group that are fertile for the gospel. But, but guess what the problem is? The church just doesn't send that many missionary, missionaries to Muslim countries or other unreached countries. I bet you can guess why. It doesn't feel safe. Listen, Muslim, Hindu, Muslim and Hindu nations aren't resistant. Unreached nations aren't necessarily resistant. We just don't send the workers. 
The church sends one in every 100,000 missionaries to unreached countries. When it comes to giving to, the, to missions, there's, there's a statistic going around that shows Christians spend more money last year on Halloween costumes for their pets than was spent sending missionaries to unreached nations. Talk about, talk about a misconception of the need. Listen, I'm not trying to condemn us. I'm just trying to show that it's not the unreached that are, or, or the lost that are resistant. It just shows that it's Christians that are, are, the resistance, are the resistant ones. Resistance to obeying and following Jesus in the hard things. Listen, we assume that people are resistant to Jesus in religious things, but there's another, another statistic going around that says 90% of people in your neighborhood right now would go to church if you just invited them. So my question is, who's resistant? It's not so much the world being resistant to Jesus as much as it's been the Christians who have been resistant to the world. We need to join Jesus in his story. We've been the ones who have been resistant, and I think I know why. I think I understand why as I look at this next part of this story because sometimes the reason we're resistant is because of the very blessings that God has given us. They have made our lives very comfortable. Money, homes, different things in our, in our lives that make us comfortable. And that privilege we have is hard for us to give up, to give back to God and say, I'm going where you send me no matter what. We have incredible privileges in this country. It doesn't matter what ethnic group or socioeconomic class that you're in. Just because you live in the United States of America, you have privilege that others in this world do not. But look in the, in the verses and later in these verses, did you notice what Paul does with his privileges? Listen, he's a Roman citizen. But he doesn't use it to his advantage. Like, if he would have said Rome, all of his troubles would have gone away but his opportunity would have also gone away. Remember in Acts 16 when he was in prison all night and the next morning, he's just like, you just gonna do this to a Roman citizen? And they freak out and, and because they, were supposed to, they weren't supposed to imprison or enchain or bind Roman citizens and he could have played that card at any moment, but he doesn't. Look back at the story that we're in today in Acts 21. I mean, at what point do you play the Roman card, bro? At what point do you say, I'm a Roman? Because it says they physically drug him out of the temple. And at this point, Michael's going to say, I'm out. I'm a Roman. I'm a Roman. Don't drag me anywhere else. Leave me alone. Like We don't, we don't have to go any further with this dragging. It's, I'm a Roman. And then it says in verse 31, they were trying to kill him. Listen, have you ever had anyone try to kill you? Listen, that's a little too close to actually killing me, right? I'm out. I'm a Roman. It says they stopped beating Paul. And, and I'm like, when did they start beating Paul? And where's the Roman card? And why didn't Paul play it? He doesn't play it. He doesn't play the Roman card. And which leads me to my next point. Uh, another reason we don't do the hard things is the third thing. We use our privileges to save ourselves and not others. We use our privileges to save ourselves and not others. Let me give you Michael's unedited version of that. We use our privilege to save ourselves from temporary discomforts in this world instead of saving others from eternal discomfort of hell. Let's just be real. Let's be honest. That's the real version of what we do. We use our privileges and our advantages and everything about this life to relieve ourselves from the t temporary discomforts instead of saving others from the eternal discomfort of hell. Philippians 2 talks about Jesus in this moment. Philippians 2, 3 through 9 says, Don't, says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. I think a lot of us miss the mark in that first little phrase. 
Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility considers others more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ, whom existed, existing in the form of a God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or grasped. He didn't consider equality with God something that he could hold on to. He was giving away his privilege. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, doulos, a slave, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross, a shameful death. Listen, there was and there is no one higher than Jesus. He's supreme. He's sovereign. But he gave it away. Jesus said, I'll give it away. I'll give my rights away. Paul gave himself away. Jesus gave himself away, gave his privilege away, gave his rights away. My question is, Christian, do we? Do we give our rights away, our advantages, our, our privileges? Do we give those things away for the sake of others to hear about Jesus, to, for the sake of others to see Jesus in us, in our church? Philippians 2 is how Christians are supposed to think in the world. I'm giving up my privileges, my advantages, so that the world can see Jesus and me in my life. I'm going to lay my rights down. Guys, we have mission partners right now in Thailand that are living in the middle of a country that is on fire. It's in the middle of burning season where the air is literally poison. These guys took their families, their children, some, some of their young children, and moved their lives to a place where the gospel was not heard. They gave up their rights to clean air and the freedom that they had so others could hear the gospel. And I think what amazes me the most is that there are people that get so close to some of the greatest stories and then they miss their moments in the name of comfort, in the name of fulfilling their own selfish desires and their own ambitions in life. In history, there have been people who get so close and then they turn away in fear and they miss it and they disappear out of the story. Guys, I wish I could show you the next page. I wish God would let us see the fruits of our obedience before we take those hard steps, but that removes faith from the equation. And it says in Hebrews that without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. And my passion for this church that we're in is that we would see the big picture, the big picture, and, the, and go the full measure in our faith and take those steps that terrify us, that put us on our knees in prayer. But we do it with joy because we know Jesus is with us and leading us and drawing us and pulling us. And the main reason we miss and don't do the big things God wants to do in and through us is we resist his hand as he tries to mold us into what he's making us. I think about my children. If I'm trying to get them to do something they don't want to do, they resist my hand. They push me away. They're pulling away from me because I'm not leading them to do the things that they want to do. And I think it's the same way whenever it comes to me following Jesus. We, we are comfortable with our comfort, right, Americans? We're comfortable with our comfort. We're, we're comfortable with our comfort zone. Don't take us out of our comfort zone because that would just mess us up. 
But to walk in our calling, guys, we have to walk out of our comfort zones. That is what Jesus is calling us out of. And there rarely are, are, are physical comforts in your calling. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. In your calling, there's, there's rarely going to be physical comforts that Jesus does not provide. And that's my last point, is we resist change and we miss our part in the story. If Paul would have resisted what God was trying to do in him, he would have missed his part in the story. We're the ones that miss out when we miss our part in the story, not God. For almost eight months now, we've been reading this story in Acts. I want to show you something really cool. We're going through the stories, the adventures of Paul, Barnabas, Peter, all the disciples, the apostles. We've been looking at the church in Antioch. We've been looking at the different churches in Ephesus and different places. And, and Luke has been telling us all that they have been doing. And then all of a sudden in chapter 21, something changes. After all this time telling the story of they, all of a sudden you see a pronoun change. In chapter 21, it says, and then we sail to Jerusalem with Paul. Luke steps into the story. Luke steps into this dialogue, into this greatest story that was ever told. And I don't know if he missed his moment 10 years ago back in Antioch, but he's not going to miss this moment. He's not going to miss it this time. In fact, this is, this is so life-changing for Luke that in, in, in one of Paul's last letters, he wrote in, in verse four, chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verse 11, he says, Luke alone is still with me. And so he's never going to miss this story again, this moment again. He stays with Paul the rest of his life. And what's sad to me is not everyone will seize their moment to join in on the mission of what God has placed on every believer in Jesus, every follower of Jesus. And I wish I could show you the next page as your pastor or the next chapter that if you said yes and you said, God, I'm going to take this step of faith. I'm going to trust in you. God, I'm going to trust that you, you want to use me. So I'm stepping out and trusting I wish I could show you that, but I can't. That is where faith comes in this morning. And so where do you fit into this story? Have you spent most of your life pouring into your own kingdom and not God's? Have you, have you spent most of your time just doing church and calling it being in God's will? My heart is that you would see the church for what it is as the bride of Christ, meant to be presented to his father in the end as, as perfectly clothed in, in righteousness and holiness, beautiful. And I want to give you the opportunity this morning to step into that story, into the same story that we see Paul living in. There are people watching this feed this morning. You can look to your left and right on this feed, and you can see that there, there are many people who have said yes to Jesus, to God's plan. If you want to put in the, into the comments, say, hey, I'm one of those people. I said yes to Jesus, and this is what he did in my life. I said yes to Jesus, and he changed me this way. And they have stories. I know people right now on the top of my head that I can tell you their story, and it will blow your mind of what God has done in their life. God's faithfulness, that his love, and I promise you, they want to share it with you. Because I want to tell you this this morning as we close. There's only two options. There's only two responses to the gospel. Yes and no. Lack of responding is a no. And I don't know what's going on in your head or your heart or what you're living for this morning, whether it's money or relationships or this world, but I do know Jesus blew up religion when he came. He blew up the religious system when he came. And for thousands of years, there's been, we've always, as people, we thought that, man, if I could just be good enough or if I could just climb the spiritual ladder, I could make it to God. But man, I'm, I'm thankful for Jesus because I'm going to tell you this, 
I wouldn't make it without Jesus. I wouldn't make it up that spiritual ladder. I would never be good enough. None of my righteousness is anything but filthy rags before God. You know, maybe you read scripture and you, you examine your heart and maybe you just feel like a hypocrite. Maybe you feel like there's no way this gospel is for you, that this kind of love is for you. But let me tell you how crazy this news is, the gospel. It was foretold thousands of years before Jesus came in Isaiah 55. That God says, come to those, come those of you who don't have any money anything to offer God. Come and buy wine and milk like the greatest tasting thing that has no cost. That's the gospel. You bring your nothing and you get everything. But most importantly, you get to know and have a relationship with God through Jesus. He comes in. He forgives your sins. As far as the east is from the west, he makes you new. All you need to do to come before God, all you need to have, all you need to possess is a need realizing that you need a savior. And this morning, I promise you, we all have needs. We all have a need for a savior. The gospel doesn't just save you, it sustains you. Once you come to Jesus and you, you, he changes your life, you need him every day. So this morning, maybe, maybe you need Jesus. Maybe you know after hearing scripture this morning that you may, you may have been living a lie. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've just been associated with Jesus through church. This morning, I just want to tell you that the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. That requires life change. And Acts, it talks about repent and be baptized. Repent of your sins, turn from your sins and turn towards Jesus, looking to him to save you, trusting in him and him alone to save you from your sins and you'll be saved. If this morning you know that you've had Jesus at arm's length, if you know that you've been resisting him and you know that he's calling you to himself this morning, I want you to do something right now and just bow your head and pray and say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need you. I turn my life over to you. I trust you to give me new life. I trust you to save me from my sins and I trust that I'll live for you for, with you for eternity. God, I need your grace. I need your power. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name. So if you've prayed that prayer, if, that's, if you've prayed a version of that prayer, if you know that you have turned your life over to Jesus this morning, I just want to ask you to do something bold and put it in the comments. Say, today I trusted Jesus. And I promise you we'll celebrate with you. We'll come alongside of you and help you take your next steps. If you have more questions, you say, hey, I want to know more. Send us a private message or put, put it in the comments line. We would love to come alongside of you and help explain some of these deeper things of Scripture that you may have questions about when it comes to salvation. So, um, guys, I just want to pray for us, and then um, we'll go. So, Father God, we love you. We thank, we're thankful for what you've done today through your word. I pray that we would just leave here, God, with a, uh, just a, a fulfillment of, of what you're trying to do in our lives. God, I pray that you would use it throughout this week to convict us, to guide us, to lead us in where you're leading us. Father, we love you so much. We're thankful for what you've done through your son. Lord, help us to walk in obedience with you. God, help us to slow down this week. Help us to see you in places we normally don't. God, I pray, to, I pray that our time in prayer, our time in the Word will be sweet this week. I pray, God, that for the person who may be listening, who's alone, who may be struggling with, with fear or anxiety, God, I pray that they would uh, gain the courage to reach out to someone and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. Because we know, Father, that, that you said all we, all we have to have is a need to come before you. And so, Father, we come before you this morning humbly saying, Lord, just continue to sustain us, God. Save us from our sins. Move in our hearts, God. Move in our church. Unite us, God. Mature us. Lead us into the directions that you want us to go. God, we thank you, and we just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Guys, we thank you for joining us today. Um, we just want to uh, encourage you to keep joining us and keep um, plugging in and, and keep pressing on in, the, in these uncommon times. Uh, uh, there, there is not much longer, I'm sure. I promise it's gonna ha- we're going to get back to normal soon. And I can't wait to see your faces. I know our people can't wait to see your faces and give hugs and high fives and all those things. And so until we see you again, uh, we love you and uh, thanks for joining us. Have a great week.